VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. Well, all right. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly, who's taking the week off. Um, so here's your chance to give us a call and let us know. Man, what a busy weekend. Jerry Lynn, what a busy weekend. It was news galore. Oh, my goodness. Um, all kinds of updated um, situations that affect our lives in a variety of ways, uh, not the least of which is the tentative deal reached in the MUNFA strike on Friday. Students expected to head back to class on Wednesday. Well, what are your thoughts on the strike and how it was handled and and what happens now going forward. Um, Mun President Vianne Timmons indicating that she didn't want it to become about her, which is why she kept silent through the course of the strike action and also indicating that uh, students who are in in their semester now should not be affected unduly by uh, the strike action. Two weeks on the picket lines back to class on Wednesday. Well, the inquiry on Inu children in care starting today, prompted in part by the tragedy experienced by Simeon Chakapesh and his family. He, if you recall, had traveled to St. John's on numerous occasions. He had come to these studios a, a couple of times, and he even camped out for a period of time in the lobby of Confederation Building, seeking a response and answers to what happened when his son, uh, Thunderheart, was sent out of province uh, for um, addictions care. As he said, his child was never the same after that, and sadly, he took his own life at the tender age of just 16. But he's just one child. Many more have experienced the same kind of pain and trauma of being taken away from their families, their homes, their communities. And I expect this inquiry will be especially raw. That starts today. If you have any thoughts on that, you're welcome to give us a call. Dwight and Jeanette Russell uh, of Mary's Harbor were in Ottawa last week making a personal plea to federal government officials for improved search and rescue capability in Labrador. The people of Labrador and others uh, fish off that very long and rugged coastline in some pretty volatile conditions, yet there is no dedicated marine search and rescue capability in Labrador. They're calling for two major things. One, a federal inquiry into fishing safety, and we've seen in this province far too many tragedies uh, related to um, the fishing industry and, and the losses that have come from that. Um, and they want to see Five Wing Goose Bay upgraded from a secondary to a primary search and rescue unit, I, I would imagine similar to the 103 Search and Rescue Squadron in Gander, which does so much work. Um, and I suppose when the you know, federal government officials are looking at resources, they're looking at the province. And the province is Newfoundland and Labrador, but they're two very distinct, two very geographically separated areas, as we know. And they don't call Labrador the big land for nothing. It is a huge amount of territory, a huge amount of coastline. And if you're living on the coastline of Labrador, guess how you're making your living? You're doing it on the water. So it is, it does look like an oversight. And as we recall, all too painfully clear, when um, Burton Winters went missing uh, off Makovic, there was no helicopter available at Five Wing Goose Bay at the time, uh, ostensibly because there didn't have to be. But there were some mechanical issues and there was a, uh, a search and rescue um, 
demonstration, if you will, was happening down in around the Gulf of St. Lawrence at the time. The Canning Bridge in Marystown. There's a meeting tonight on that. We're going to hear from uh, Mayor Bruce Keating now in a moment. A major inconvenience to people of Marystown, effectively severed uh, now between the north and south sides. Um, it failed its expansion. It, it, sorry, it, it failed its inspection. But what led to that? Now, surely it was known before this that the bridge was deteriorating and deteriorating in a um, dangerous manner. So um, why the delay in getting some work there if it had gotten to the point of no return? Uh, Anyway, we'll get an update on what's happening there now in a moment. Some staffing issues means the ambulance in Trapassi not available. It's currently parked, and we hope to speak to uh, the mayor of Trapassi, Rita Pennell, about that. Uh, The bus contract situation, this came down on Saturday, a surprise to many parents. Uh, Gladney's bus contract suspended due to what the English school district says were a series of fleet and operational issues. Um, They've suspended that contract while they conduct a review into the uh, the company, the operations of those um, particular buses. Um, if you have any thoughts on that, how are you affected? Um, I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. And this is fascinating, Fonz. I don't know what's happening. I think we're all kind of obsessed with it to a certain degree, but another high-altitude object Alien. shut down over North America. This one over Lake Huron. I was just putting my thoughts together about, you know, what what am I going to mention on Open Line now tomorrow, last night? That's, how many you say, nine? There, uh, this morning, I popped on CNN before I came in, nine reported sightings over North America, uh, or not over North America, over the world of these balloons within the last little while. Now, four have been shot down, but apparently there have been nine balloons counted. Right. And I remember seeing something not too long ago saying there could be 40 or 50 of these things circulating uh, around the globe at any given time. So uh, is it just that we're more aware of these things just now? Just outside radar, apparently. Just just above where commercial air travel takes place. So nobody's paying attention to it. Right. How interesting. And the idea is that if they are conducting surveillance, and we don't know that yet, although the U.S. is asserting that that first one that was shot down off the Carolinas was doing exactly that, the difference in these things is that apparently some of them have the ability to be maneuvered, and they can linger, as opposed to a satellite, which is circling the globe at you know breakneck speed and is getting shots along the way. This can linger and really pick up information. Anyway, it is strange, to say the least, and uh, certainly makes you curious as to what is going on and what is happening and who might be, be behind it. Uh, the U.S. has uh, identified uh, China as in relation to that first surveillance balloon. It's absolutely enormous, too, by the way. Um, but uh, the rest of these things that they're calling objects, they're not quite calling them balloons yet. Um, anyway, it remains to be seen. I'm sure we'll be watching this very closely. We're going to take a short break. We're already starting to see a few lo- uh, calls um, uh, evolving here on the lines. Now is your chance to give us a call, by all means. The earlier you call into the show, you better your chances of getting on. So uh, we'll hear the numbers now in a second. 
Weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM Morning Show. This is Open Line on VOCM. I'm a little bit out of practice. And we're back. Linda Swain here uh, sitting in for Patty Daly. We're going to go now to the mayor of Marystown, Brian Keating. Hello, Brian. Good morning. How are you today? Great. How are you? Uh, fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yes, no trouble. So what's the latest now on the bridge? Well, as everybody knows, in the local area now, our bridge was uh, deemed unsafe for vehicle uh, transportation on Friday morning at 10 o'clock by the Engineering Department of Provincial Government. Right. And what led to that? Because surely there had to be concerns prior to this. Well, we've been, uh, and uh, once again, I'd like to say thank you to the concerned residents in our town. Uh, we've been uh, contacting the Department of Transportation and Provincial Government over the last little while. We've been noticing some debris, some deterioration in cave-ins around our bridge. And, of course, the bridge is 60-odd years old, so we knew there was... Uh, some issues with it, but uh, in 2020, they done an inspection, and our bridge was deemed to be fair to poor condition at that time. So once the residents and the town of Marystown reached out and said we need another inspection, uh, when the inspection came out, uh, they sent out people right away, and they done an inspection, and uh, the bridge was uh, deemed unsafe for vehicle transportation from the south side to the north side of Marystown. So were any plans put in place when it was deemed fair to poor condition to, to have this span replaced? Well, uh, I can't speak for the provincial government, you know, and right now everybody understands our road conditions uh, all light through the province and bridges all over Newfoundland, Labrador, and have a lot of need, a lot of repair and stuff. So I guess we were, uh, they probably at the time they deemed that it was, uh, it could still be used until about a month ago they derated the ten ton, and about a week after that they derated the eight ton, and then unfortunately Monday, uh, uh, Friday they deemed it unsafe for vehicle transportation. So what does this mean to the town now? What does it mean to residents? Well, it's devastating, and I feel for the residents. I'm south side mostly, but north side as well. Uh, it's a, a a very big cost occurred to our seniors and to our we'll call our blue-collar workers that work in our fast food restaurants, our grocery stores, our, you know, our drug stores, everywhere on the, most of the people that are Bjorn Plinson know that Marystown is made up two sections, the north and south side, connected by the Canyon Bridge and the Christian Causeway. Uh, with this Canyon Bridge being closed down, it's a, it's an extra round trip, almost 26 kilometers to get to your necessities, your mailboxes, your grocery stores, your drug stores, your shopping centers. So it's a big impact and a, a lot of programs like the, we got a clinic on the south side, north side of Marystown as well that a lot of residents use. And so it's a big impact. Uh, time delay is not not a big concern, but it is a concern. But cost is definitely a big concern and inconvenience. Cost for sure. If you've got to drive another 26 kilometers to get to the grocery store when you're not used to making that lengthy trip, uh, that is going to have an impact on your pocketbook. Oh, your bottom line will definitely be affected. And of course, you know, not only affect the residents, it's, uh, you know, the emergency services are all being affected. Uh, snow clearing, road maintenance, you know, the, the depot for the town is on the north side. They go from the north side and the center of town to the end of Little Bay, uh, you're looking at an extra 
40 minutes drive, which is a cost and fueling. It's a, it's devastating at everything costs. But like I said many times since this happened, I'd a lot better be uh, reporting on uh, cost and closures than a disaster and a debt in the, in the peninsula. So you have a meeting tonight, is that correct? Yes, there's a meeting tonight at our Mayor's Tavern Motel. Uh, it's the only location. We were hoping we get one on the south side, but unfortunately, once again, there's not no uh, there's no area that's big enough to host. Uh, so it's at the motel at seven o'clock tonight for residents to bring forward their ideas, suggestions. You know, we got lots of ideas and set, uh, suggestions, but we want to hear from the public their concerns and. We want to tell them what our actions are, but uh, we work for those uh, residents. And so our biggest uh, mandate since we got in uh, the new council is that full disclosure and communication with all the residents of town is our main goal. And of course, safety. And how soon, realistically, might you be able to get a replacement for that bridge? I mean, we're in February now. We've got a big storm coming our way tomorrow. Um, that So obviously nothing is happening to the spring. Then there's got to be all kinds of planning and the construction and all that sort of thing. The very earliest would be summer, late summer? Oh, uh, it will definitely not happen that fast, but I, that's not my field of expertise. But uh, in talking with the government and my head is off to the premier, and to our local MHAs, both of them have uh, been in close contact with me on a almost on an hourly basis, not a daily basis. And uh, the premier said that uh, we're guaranteed a new bridge. But uh, anybody in the industry knows the engineering and uh, the studies about uh, the water and the DFO and all this stuff is going to take time. And the construction itself is going to be another a task that's going to be pretty daunting over a 300-foot span. So uh, realistic, the government put out a on their webpage, it could be up to 2027 before the bridge is completed and reopened. Wow, so that's a major inconvenience to your residents. Very inconvenience in cost and, you know, as, and safety issues. So we're uh, we're doing strategies with the towns and, uh, and our following towns and our neighboring towns. And the first step tonight, we're doing it with our residents. So we're all going to put our heads together. We're a very strong and resilient area. The Bjorn Peninsula is one united town for better terminology now and we we've beaten better harder things and worse things and we survived and we'll survive this but we're going to work with the government we're going to get the right uh, plan in place and we're going to try to list a burden on the residents of Marystown and the going Clinton as much as we can. Brian Keating I, I really appreciate the update this morning thanks very much and anything else uh, feel free to give us a call. Yeah, just make sure everybody, uh, we want your information, we want your suggestions, we want your concerns and your questions. Uh, so please come out tonight at 7 o'clock at the Marystown Motel, and uh, let's make uh, work together and get this resolved. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to go now to the president of the Newfoundland and Labrador Federation of School Councils, Mr. Don Coombs. Hello. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Absolutely perfect. How's everything? Going well, I hope? Uh, going as good as can be expected, but uh, I don't have a child who's affected by that bus um, interruption, I guess, in no, service. It's, uh, it's 
trying, but uh, to be fair, it's an English school district. They're looking after the safety of our our students, our kids, and our grandkids, and and that's the important thing right now. And uh, we send, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be resolved in a hurry. But they're doing what they're supposed to do, and especially the reason for my call is as we open talking about that. This is Teacher Staff Appreciation Week in the province of Newfoundland, Labrador, and I want to reach out and thank our school uh, teachers, our school staff, including our bus drivers for their the support of our, our students, our children, our grandchildren uh, in the school system in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. And I encourage each and every parent or guardian to reach out to the school in some way and say thank you. They do a great job for us. Uh, we entrust them with our, our children and the, the staff and teachers at the schools. And every school in the province are exceptional. And uh, the Newfoundland and Labrador Federation School Councils realize it. And I just wanted to phone in today to say thank you to them. I, they really do do an amazing job. I know all my interactions with uh, school officials uh, through my son's growing up have, have been just amazing. Um, all, you know, very engaged in what they do, care about what they do, care about the kids, always a smile on their face. I know there's exceptions to every rule, but uh, my experiences personally have been nothing but amazing. And I fully agree. They, uh, the teachers, the staff, they go over, over with doing stuff. You know, they have their, their duties to do, but they all step up to the plate. And, you know, and that's in every school in the province. Uh, the school is a major part of our communities and school life is the important life. That's uh, where you you figure things out in your life. And the teachers are there very often, more, uh, more often than the parents. So we just want to reach out and say thank you to the teachers, to the staff, the, uh, you know, the administration, all people involved in the school system, uh, you know, our teacher assistants, our, our bus drivers, everybody. They make up part of what is a great school community in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. Now, in the meantime, all right, have you heard any concerns from parents who are affected by this uh, school bus uh, suspension? No, not directly, but we we, uh, we we fully support it. I know it's inconvenient for the for the parents, but you know the bus operation is doing what we asked them to do and look at looking after our school uh, safety, uh, children's safety, and they are putting safety first, and that's what we meant and we want in our school system. It's inconvenient for parents, but I understand they're going to get it resolved in a hurry. But I'm sure uh, you know for your your question today today is uh, or the school bus system and. Uh, uh, it's the right decision at the right time right now. Now, uh, what's going on in Harbor Grace? Busy. We're really busy. I'm excited for our town. Uh, this is the other cap putting on. Uh, we've got so much happening. We've got some big investors that have come to our town. We've got some major announcements coming. Uh, we've got a good team, a terrific council. Uh, the residents um, are, are so supportive of our, of our community. And uh, it's big announcements to come. And uh, uh, the late uh, Alec Moores was a mayor of town and a great entrepreneur in the province once told me, Linda, and I think I told somebody on one of your news stories that the sun will shine on Harbor Grace and we had to be ready. Well, the sun is shining on our town now as I speak, and uh, I really look forward uh, in the next couple of months to what's going to happen. Ooh. Really, now, I'm not really going to leave that alone. No, no, Give no, us some I, I hints. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's exciting times. Uh, we've worked, uh, well, I guess we started off with the new council back in September of the previous year, and we put a 10-year strategic plan in place. we got uh, investors that have come to the town. Uh, uh, we've got some major, major things happening. Uh, I'm not 
going to release it, but uh, I can say it's exciting. We're going to be a, a town. We're not going to be in the middle of the other two th- towns anymore. We've got people doing major, major investments, and it's going to be exciting times in Harbour Grace, uh, both living with our past, our present, and uh, the future looks so bright right now. Yeah, and I see there's some uh, major... Um I guess uh, upgrades happening there to the old RC Cathedral. Craig Flynn and Brenda O'Reilly doing a lot of work there on that. And the courthouse, that's going to be exciting once that's up and running. Well, he's announced last week uh, that the courthouse is opening the summer. Uh, fortunately, uh, I had an opportunity when the Earhart 99s were in last year to, ha- to attend a function up there. He's done some things up there. It's uh, it's exciting. It's beautiful. Their investment in our town is uh, second to none in the province. And there's more things coming with their investment, along with some other great, great opportunities as we met with some partners on a mega, mega, mega project. And these projects are not only going to benefit the town of Harbour Grace, it's going to benefit the whole region. Uh, the economy of the area is going to be, uh, you know, going to be improved. Uh, you know, people hopefully won't have to go away to look for work. So we see some golden opportunities and a, a good vision by council and, and, and the support of our residents. A mega, mega project. You can't just drop that and not yes, say what it is. <laughs> yes, I can. It's a, it's something we're going to announce shortly. Uh, uh, we're just getting uh, dies out at T's crossed, and we're about probably 30 to 45 days from that announcement. And it's going to be good for the full region, the province, and, you know, internationally, it's some good things. I'll, I'll let you know when when we're ready, and you'll be invited along. Oh, you better do that then. <laughs> no, I will. And, uh, you know, with uh, Craig Flynn and the HDOE and the other things that are in our town, uh, people are excited. You can't buy a piece of property in the town anymore. Uh, all the properties are bought up. We as a municipality, we have some lands, probably about 50 or 60 pieces of properties that we see no value for us in for an hour down the road. We're going to be selling those off. Well, hopefully the, the Minister of Municipal and Provincial Affairs will give us the, the right to sell them off, and that's going to create some more opportunities for people with developments. But right now, if there's a for sale sign goes on a home or a property in Harbour Grace is sold within a short period of time. So it's exciting. Uh, people are looking at the church. They're looking at the courthouse. They're looking at other opportunities and uh, some more major developments. Well, you better keep us up to date. I really appreciate this, Don. Thanks so much. And thanks to all our teachers and staff in our schools. Uh, show your appreciation. Thank you very much. You have a great day and we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don Coombs, Mayor of Harbour Grace and President of the Federation of School Councils. Uh, We have lines open. Now is your chance to give us a call. I know that uh, Fonz was uh, juggling a few calls there earlier, but uh, come on, let's hear from you. Uh, We'll take a short break, and when we come back, we hope to speak with you. Join Brian Medore weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels. Newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. This is Open Line on VOCM. And show some patience if you're calling in. Uh, Fawn's now juggling a few phone lines there. So if you're ringing and it keeps ringing, stay with it. Uh, He'll get to you in just a moment. We're going to go now to Joshua. Hello, Joshua. Good morning, Linda. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. First off, I'll say that I noticed your uh, patty introduction with the, well, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I caught that and I appreciate that. It's... um, a couple of my buddies at work actually know that I 
periodically call the open line. So if they see me coming down the hall, maybe they might say, well, all right, here comes Josh, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great. So it's, uh, it, it, Patty's uh, reputation precedes him. So anyway, um, I just had a couple of suggestions, uh, Linda, not not any, I don't even think it was really brought up in the preamble or nothing, but just something that's kind of uh, been on my mind a little bit recently. Um, of course, as you're aware, and as a lot of the listeners are aware, VOCM uh, used to do the nightline. Uh, I suppose it would have been from what, like 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. or something? Or was it a couple, was it two or three hours? <laughs> uh, when I was hosting it, it was from 8 to midnight. Oh, my golly, wow. Yeah, uh, four I'm, hours. I'm Holy sugar! I'm more used to it being. Uh, I think it was John. Well, it was Jonathan Richler the last. I, this was like three or four years ago, and I'm I'm trying to recall now if it was two or three hours. But I actually, you know, I, I enjoy the open line segments anyway, and um, I think it. I mean, it, it's all it's all according to everything really in terms of the the VOCM news team and the scheduling and the budget and probably all sorts of things that I'm not aware of. But I really wouldn't mind having that uh, that night show re-implemented because, you know, I, I think for for one thing, and maybe this would be a major sticking point, I think a lot of people who might either tune into VOCM Open Line and or be a caller to Open Line, they're probably working in the morning between, you know, 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. So if they have things on their mind and, you know, there's 500,000 plus people in Newfoundland Labrador, and I'm sure there's other people who listen outside the province, but you know the the timeline of the of the open line show in the morning by default. I'd say your you know your listening audience is limited to people who are not at work. So, Absolutely, you know, and that was the yeah. the whole thought process behind um, when open line was first implemented. Back, gosh. Uh, um, Baz Jameson was the first host of Nightline. No, actually, no, it went before that. It was Ron Pumphrey, of course. So he used to have Nightline, and I know this because I used to operate at CHVO and Carboneer, which was uh, would wait until it could hook up to VOCM when Ron was hosting. And Ron would go, you were talking about how long the show was, Ron would go, if he had the calls, he'd stay. So <laughs> sometimes it was 1, 2, 2.30 in the morning before. Oh and so I used to have to sit in the uh, in the studio at CHVO and Carboneer just waiting <laughs> for him to finish so I could hook up to VOCM and go on playing, uh, playing 45 records, believe it or not. One after <laughs> well, what, the what other, year? after the other, after the other. What year would that have been, Linda? Uh, 89. Oh, my golly. I didn't, uh, didn't really know the history or the, uh, the start of nightline but uh that's interesting i didn't know that yeah so the idea was that you know you'd have this now ron had his own special flair to it it had a very different kind of feel than let's say uh, when you were listening when um uh, jonathan richler was doing it but uh you know it was um it, w- it was a hoot <laughs> interesting well yeah. yeah i mean of course i i i've only really started to listen to open line periodically the past few years but i i do recall even maybe four or five years ago, of course, VOCM having these three shows, one of which was the middle of the day, uh, what was it, uh, Back Talk or something? Back Talk, yeah, which was an yeah. avenue oh, initially for um, Bill Rowe when he returned, yeah. Uh-huh. I thought Pete did an amazing job, and you'd never know he was snook just by listening to him. But, uh, you know, like, I guess in conclusion, I I personally, and I'm sure I'm don't not the only person who feels this way, would, wouldn't mind, uh, you know, even for the sake that, like I said, having another open line show at another time of the day would 
open up a whole gambit of possibility for different callers and and even some of the same callers, of course, but you know, with the timeline, not everybody is available in the morning, you know, so I'll just throw that out there. Oh, no, for sure. And uh, all all input is uh, welcomed for sure. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll uh, conclude with this next wee suggestion. It's not to do with the open line, but um, of course, and this probably sounds random, but so, so be it. Um, the, the reusable shopping bags that we I'll have like a bajillion of them, sure. Um, I went to the Sally Ann there on Kenmount Road a few weeks ago to just donate a couple of old items. And then I thought, my God, I actually have so many bags in my trunk. So I actually went back and I said, I don't suppose you guys take these shopping bags. And they said, actually, we do. They said a lot of times they'll end up donating them to like the food bank or whatever for people to take. So, you know, if if anybody has extra shopping bags that they're really not sure what to do of, like instead of just throwing them out, apparently at least the Salvation Army on Kenmont Road and probably a lot of the other thrift stores would, would take them if, if you got an excess of them. So I didn't know that until a few weeks ago. So I figured I'd just throw that out there to the listening audience who might also be unaware of the fact that you can donate your shopping bags if you got too many. Well, that's a great idea because I'm one of those people, of course. <laughs> How long it. have we had the, you know, the mandatory ban on plastic bags? It's two or three years now. I'm still getting out of my car, going into the grocery store with no bags in my hand. And so oh, what hap- ends up happening is I end up having to buy another one. And now my well, I mean, back of, of my car is full of them. <laughs> Me, I, I hear you. I'm after saying to the, to the clerk at the cash register, like, do you need a shopping bag? No, I just forgot them for like the 17th time this month, you know, in my car. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway. I don't know why I can't get it in my head, you know, get the bags out of the back, go of into course. the store. Just can't get it. Indeed. Well, I'll just uh, leave those suggestions uh, with you guys and whoever heard it and I'll let you go. Linda, thanks for the time. Josh, I really appreciate your call. Thank you. All right. Great. See All you right. later. Bye-bye. And we're going to go now to the caller on line three. Hello. Hello, D. Hello. Hi. Hi. Good morning, Miss. How are you? Hi. Uh, calling. I'm not too bad. I'm calling from the penitentiary. All right. Uh, the reason why I'm calling is that uh, we're infested in rats here on the certain part of the prison. Okay. And, uh, also, we're living here with no hot water, cold water in the cells. Uh, we're waking up with rats, baby rats, in my mattress this morning with holes dug through the mattress. It's proper living quarters for us, and it's it's a health issue. And also, it's it's inhumane. Like, this is not right. I know we're inmates, but we're entitled to certain things here. Have you raised this with the uh, corrections officers there? Oh, oh miss, this more than once, and, like, they, they're well known that there, there is rat right there. And but we're not getting nowhere with it, so I figured I call in for other people to hear. You Have know. you been there long? Have you seen um, uh, pest it, control coming and going, that kind of thing? Uh, well, the pest control are called. They call and let them know that they're coming first. You know, so like we've been asking for sticky pads. There is sticky pads in part of the prison, but we don't get, we don't have access to it in here where we are too. So it's like we don't get anywhere, right? But and is, it, is it rats or mice or both? It's both. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not very, it's not very uh, more nice here. And like they want it to look more good than it is, right? So what, uh, what area of the prison are you talking about? 
the other, the area of the prison we're talking about is the old part of the prison that we are housed in, and it's infested. Like, the pet control was here, I believe, Friday. They're here, like, two or three times a week here, but we can't get no sticky pads here, right? In in these quarters where we are too, right? And if I say exactly where I'm too in the location of the thing, I probably won't be here much longer. No, I understand. I, I, I hear you. Um, well, I'm glad so you raised it. Exact location. I'm yeah, glad you raised like it because said, if uh-huh. you didn't, oftentimes we don't know about these things at all. No, like I said, I'm afraid of limit, but I'm almost finished my time now. And my time is run now, but we're at the point that this place just needs to be filled with concrete or closed down. We know they're trying to build a new prison, but hopefully I don't see that ever. And But there's other inmates here who would like to say a couple of things to you if I could pass the phone on. Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Hello? Hello? Yes. Yeah, hi. Hot. Come on, boss, man. Hey, how you doing? Uh, good. Uh, you're live on the air now. What's on your mind? Yeah. Yeah, perfect. No, this is Scotty. Now, I don't care if the, I don't care if they're they're out there. They hear me because I'm one of the inmates that takes on strain. I fix up for other inmates, right? I'm Scotty Daring, and uh, my buddy was just saying about uh, where we're to. We can't say where we're to because, like he said, he said we're going to be probably removed, right? Because they're hard on us like that, right? But we're down there living with rats, and not only two-legged ones, it's four-legged ones living in the, living in our beds, eating our canteens, getting up in the morning. They're in our sugar, in our coffee, like it's inhumane, right? Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty awful. We'll um, we'll put a call into the Department of Justice and see what the situation is there. Um, ha- are you getting any indication of when the new prison is going to be built? No, no. They says well in 2025, and then they said 2028. They don't they don't even know when the new prison is going to be being built, right? Like uh-huh. even even the guards don't even the guards don't even want to come to work here. The guy, one of the guys walked in on our range this morning and said, boys, this is a health issue. And he said, I understand where you come from, right? Yeah, so even the um, uh, staff are well aware of the situation there, is what you're saying. Yeah, but they can't, they can't, come, they can't come out and just say it because that's their job on the line too, right? Yeah, I hear you. Uh, well, I really... Like we, I went, I went, go ahead. I went down and got a shower this morning. I went down and got a shower this morning, all cold water. Like we got to dip in, dip out like we're ducks or something. And uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Like I've been here, I've been here now 50 days on one on one side living with the rats. And I think it's it's a big health issue, right? Yeah, it sounds uh, it sounds bad. Um, I have to be honest. I, I really appreciate your call this morning, though, so we can raise it and we'll see if we can get a response from the Department of Justice on this. Yeah, perfect. Listen, I got a lot of inmates here that'd like to get on and say a few things if it's good with you. Uh, well, we have other calls waiting in the line. I'll, I'll take one more. One more? Yeah. All right. Uh, hold on a second. Buzz, who wants to get on the line? Hello, my name's Dylan Bishop. Hi. How you doing? Hi. All right. It'd be better if, um, you know, if we can be treated a little bit better. You know, I know we're inmates, but, you know, we do have rights. So you all decided to to group together and get a, a, a get on the phone and and raise this publicly. It must be a very serious concern to you all. 
Yeah, it is, you know, because at the same time, you know, we get we all get uh, gets up in the morning for breakfast at eight o'clock in the morning, and by the time we don't even get our uh, coffee done, they're telling us to go down getting in the showers. And at the same time, the showers are right down where the laundry where the laundry bill be done. So they got like six, seven great big washers using up hot water right by the shower. So we're we're all getting showers in ice cold water. Like you know, they're going. Like my girlfriend booked a visit a couple months uh, about a month ago, and and it just they're just randomly canceling all visits. Um, I had mail dropped off here at the White House. About four weeks ago, and one of them's a check. You're allowed to get checks dropped off at the White House so they can cash them so we can get canteen down there. And instead of them sending the mail down to me, they just put it in my belongings. I was supposed to get a pear sheet taken out of my face last week, like a dermal, and they booked me for surgery downstairs, and I'm still waiting to get that. And and the rats down here, they're, they're, they're infested, like, Last night, the night before, I had to kick a freaking rat out of my out of my room because it was in eat my sugar. Oh man, uh, I'm glad that you fellas uh, decided to uh, to pick up the phone. How are you calling us, by the way? Are you on a uh, a cell or on a? Uh, hold on, you're calling by treeway. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm glad you. We had we had we asked two days ago because we noticed when me and my buddy were getting our methadone, we noticed that they put mouse rat traps down, and we thought there were baby mouse going around, but there are baby rats going around here, like like a lot of them, like it's infested down here. Like if if like I. Like, we killed one the other day. It was in my sink, and the sink's probably, like, five feet off the ground. Oh, man, I don't know. That that sounds really quite bad. We'll we'll see if we can get and some like, answers. When did, yeah, because when they do shakedowns, uh, I guess one of the guards thought they were stuffing mattresses, so instead of taking a mattress and putting it through a metal detector or whatever he does, they, they, they cut... They cut, they cut the freaking, they cut the bedding, they cut the, they cut the thing off the mattress, and then instead of putting a new mattress in there, they just be sleeping off homes. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, well, I, I'm going to have to let you go now because I'm up to a break, and it sounds like you guys are being called away anyway. But I, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. All yeah, the best. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. Um, wow. Uh, so uh, three guys there at uh, HMP inmates um, calling in to express their disgust, I guess, with the conditions at HMP. Rats, no hot water. Uh, we're going to see if we can try and get uh, the Department of Justice to uh, give us a response to that when we come back after the break. Uh, the number's coming up. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. And we're back. We're going to go now to line one. Colin, you're on the air. Morning, Miss Wayne. How are you this morning? Oh, Grant, how are you? Good, thanks. Before I get into my topic, I was listening to your uh, most recent caller there from the penitentiary. Yeah, three of them, yeah. I'm ashamed 
to be a resident of this province and a resident and a citizen of this country. I'm just ashamed listening to those three men that you just spoke to, that you have three people who are incarcerated, either doing time or being held on remand, charged with a crime, not convicted of anything. We got $13 billion for hydroelectric uh, projects. We got billion dollars now for replacing, you know, St. Clair's, billions of dollars for this, hundreds of millions of dollars for this project. Yet we can't put together the money and the procurement process to get an expedited uh, delivery of a uh, provincial uh, penitentiary system here. Something that's clean and safe and warm that will not violate the basic human rights of all people in, in this province. People showering in the middle of winter in cold water. People have to be incarcerated in, in, a, in a jail cell with rats running around, getting in their food and in their, in their clothing. I'm just ashamed. And, you know, how desperate are these young men to pick up the phone and probably put themselves in some jeopardy uh, by doing so? Um, And there there were more than that. We took three, uh, but there were more than that. They're ready to talk and speak publicly about the conditions in there. It's just boggles my mind. You know, we, we've got a, a process underway now for a new penitentiary here. And this is a provincial institution, not a federal one. We're not even talking about a federal penitentiary. This is the federal, you know, that would be the federal government stepping up to the plate with some money to build a federal penitentiary here. We're talking about a provincial institution. And this process, like so many other processes in provincial and the federal government, the procurement process is just dragging on and on and on. I'm ashamed. I just heard those three men. You wouldn't do that. You know, if that was a, 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 a prison system in somewhere in Africa or Southeast Asia, you'd have Canadian Human Rights Watches and, and, and United Nations. They'd be pounding their fist on the table and they'd be saying, you know, shame, 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 shame. We need to shut up because we're a bunch of hypocrites. We got people in, in prisons here. And, and like I said, a lot of them are not convicted of anything. And you got to be subjected to that environment. We're, we're getting tough on crime. Now we want to revoke bail or deny bail or make bail more difficult to get for certain offenses, like firearms offenses, like the federal conservatives are talking about now. Like the provincial premiers are looking at bringing in reverse onus clauses on bail. You know, this is where people are going to end up while they're waiting for that bail process. In, in something that's not even fit for, uh, you know, if you had the dog kennel like that, you'd have somebody reporting you to the SPCA or to the police for animal cruelty. And I know, that, care, right? I know there are people who say, you know what, that's it. You do the time, uh, you do the crime, you do the time. But um, as one of those gentlemen pointed out, he said, you know, when he uh, has to take his methadone. So you have addictions, you have mental health issues, you have people incarcerated in these kinds of conditions. What hope is that for their, uh, is there for them when they get out, when they serve their time and, and becoming, you know, not getting back in there at some point, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the whole idea is to become a productive member of society and rehabilitation, right? That's if you're convicted. Not if you're just charged. If you were charged tomorrow with murder or some other criminal offenses that, that are in Section 469 of the Criminal Code, there's a reverse onus on, uh, for those offenses like murder. You had to convince a Supreme Court judge 
that you should be released. The onus is on you to convince the judge that you should be released. Even if you have no prior criminal record, even if you're a fine, upstanding member of the community, you're not at risk to commit a, uh, another offense. You've got uh, you know, stable connections to the community here. You're not a flight risk or anything like that. You're going to be held down there, too, until you convince a judge that you should be released. So people need to think about that. Do the crime, do the time. There before the grace of God go I, because that could be you tomorrow, folks. Now, uh, Colin, I, I know that that um, uh, was, you wanted to remark on that, but you called for another reason as well. Yeah, sorry, I just got wound up. Yeah, no trouble. It's uh, China and Russia. You know, the Chinese are floating balloons now over Canada and the United States. I call it a trial balloon. That's what I call it. I think they're trying to test our uh, continental defenses here. Why? I don't know. The same with the Russians. They're after flying some long-range bombers over the North Atlantic towards Labrador and Newfoundland in, uh, on previous occasions. Yeah, we had to so scramble we, uh, not too long ago, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah that's right. And uh, these, these bombers, they're not, uh, they're not balloons. They're long-range uh, strategic bombers, and they're capable of carrying nuclear weapons, too. So we have to take a more... Uh, global approach to continental uh, defense, I think, Canada and the United States. Um, again, with our procurement processes, we just approved the F-35 uh, fighter jets. This has been going on for at least 10 years. That, that, you know, this was a political football getting kicked around between liberal and conservative governments. Are we going to buy them? Yes, no, 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 yes. You know, a lot of times we sign contracts to get these, to get these, uh, to get these uh, uh, vital pieces of equipment for our military and uh, one government signs contract with with a manufacturer another government comes into power a year later and cancels the contract well guess what the government that, that came in that canceled the contract is going to get sued now so we all lose in the end because we're going to have to pay for breach of contract in court right you know so what uh, you you say that these are are trial balloons, but um, it, it's rather concerning that one would traverse the entirety of uh, you know Canada north to south and then across the United States and and get shot down over the Carolinas. It's another one shot down over Lake Huron. I mean that's that has the potential if, as you say, if it was you know loaded with something, <laughs> uh, yeah. to do an awful lot of damage, um, or is this just something to distract us, I wonder? I think this is a prelude for uh, for China's invasion of Taiwan. I think the Chinese are getting ready to move, in, move across the Taiwan Strait into Taiwan and do a land invasion. Joe Biden has said repeatedly that the United States will put American boots on the ground to defend Taiwan. That will be a very messy conflict. If you think, you know, what's going on in Ukraine right now with the Russian invasion of that country is bad. And I'm not diminishing what's going on there. It is. It's, it's, it's you know, it's terrible. But uh, we're talking about two nuclear powers now. And uh, the largest country in the world going up against the United States and NATO. We're all going to be dragged into something really bad. And I'm not running around with my hair on fire. I don't think the sky is falling. This is not woke Colin trying to uh, stand on his soapbox and say the end of the world is coming. This is the real deal. It's coming. 
Xi Jinping is going to make a move in there. And I think what they're doing with these balloons over continental North America, I think they're testing us. It's uh, it's chilling, certainly. Um, and um, I mean, I can't begin to understand the reasons why these things are out there and what they're doing. Um, I heard one uh, U.S. military official saying, well, you know, that it could be that we're just more aware of them now uh, mm-hmm. and that this might have been going on for quite some time. But um, uh, it is it, it leaves one wondering. Um, I don't think, like you say now, I'm not sure if it's time to panic, but we should be watching these things closely. Absolutely. We need to pay more attention to China. Uh, We have a lot of economic ties with China. You know, China is highly integrated into the global economic and financial system. We know that all too well now, post-COVID. Yeah, and uh, but make no mistake, China is our number one adversary. Make no mistake about it. It's not about the money. It's about power, and if they want to extend their sphere of influence, they're doing it in Africa uh, and and other parts of Asia. And uh, they need to be number one on our radar screen, literally and figuratively. They've been making incursions in the South China Sea for years and years and years. I remember reading about that, uh, oh my gosh, it's got to be a decade ago or more, um, warnings about uh, their movements in 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 that region, sorry. Yeah, and they're, uh, they've been given our uh, ally, uh, Australia, uh, a very difficult time uh, economically with the trade and stuff too, but also militarily. And uh, we, we have to pay more attention to what's going on over there too. And uh, and with the Russians, the, we have a, a Russian-China uh, axis forming now uh, since the invasion of Ukraine. And uh, I, I think that's going to be a, a counter- a counterweight to to the uh, power of NATO and, and the uh, influence that NATO has. So we, we need to watch that too. These two countries form some kind of axis or union. Colin, I uh, appreciate your call this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. We're going to go now to the caller on line four. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Good day. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I want to speak a little bit on about the penitentiary and people's views and things of that sort. You know, I, um, I've i always had a saying that uh, if you keep on doing what you've always done, you're always going to have what you've always had. And if you want something you never had, you're going to have to do something you've never done. You know, and those words are so true. But the thing is about it that people are complaining about the fact of the facility being the way that it is and the insides and what's going on and things of that sort. You know, it seems like they they put a lot of effort into the fact of talking about the problem and trying to correct the reason why they're going there. You know, it's like... uh, you know the difference. I mean, if you go out and you mingle in with rough people, people are not so healthy, you're going to end up back in those facilities again. And if you want to change and become a better person, then you change and just stay clear of those facilities and you have no other reasons to be worried about. You won't be worrying about if there's any moist there any rats or anything like that. 
when you come out of jail, just say, well, I can't fix the problems of the world. I can't fix the problems in society. It's not going to be done. All I got to do is come out of jail, hit on the right road, do what you're supposed to do in society to be a half-decent human being, and the rest will fall in place. Uh, that's easier said than done for some people, especially people who have been uh, disadvantaged most of their lives. Maybe they haven't finished their education. Maybe they have uh, addictions issues that, uh, you know, unless you've lived it, you don't know how difficult it is to shake that. It um, is really, it is really uh, a serious situation once it comes to people having addictions. It's a very serious situation. But it seems like a lot of people... They they come out and say they're not going back anymore, and all of a sudden they head back to the on, you know, to the to the outer world, and they get themselves involved with people that's probably not so healthy that needs to be changed too as well, and then for you know they're back in that position again. You know, it's 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 like uh, it's like in and out and in and out. So the question, I suppose, like, is: Are the supports there for people who are leaving um, incarceration? Are the supports there to keep them um, on the the right track, so to speak? It's there. You know, it, it, the supports are there, but it's like I said at first when I spoke. You know. You had you had the individual that comes out of jail that sits down, takes their methadone, and probably you know whatever the case may be. They have to realize that you know they're the person that got to try to sit down and and figure this out. You know, or do you want to condole the rest of your life into wondering what's going on inside the penitentiary? How come the the walls is this? How come this is down here like that, and this is, and 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 you so train your mind to end of that feel, you 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 forget about the problem and what caused you to be there in the first place. I'm not trying to be a bad person or sound like sarcastic or be bad to the people that's incarcerated, but it's a it's a thing that. You know, the supports is, is there. you just got to open up and receive them. We'll have and to leave it there, I'm afraid, because we're overdue for a break. But uh, unless you you feel like there's something else you need to say after the news break. Well, no, I'm just kind of finished up with the conversation. But, you know, just like if you don't like what's going on inside the jails uh, and things of that sort, come out and make a change and don't go back there no more. And like you said, it's harder said than done. But, you know, you hear so many people putting so much energy into the fact of what's going on inside the systems instead of trying to solve the problem yourself and stay clear of the inside system and come out into another world of reality. All right, caller, we'll have to leave it there. Oh, well overdue for our news break. Thanks so much. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Your thoughts on that? Give us a call. We're going to head now to the newsroom to hear from Brian Medore. We'll be back right after this. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com.
This is Open Line on VOCM. And we're back. Linda Swain sitting in for Patty Daly. Uh, we are going to go now to David. You're on the air. Hello, David. Hello. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Oh, thank you, Linda, for taking my call. Uh, Linda, I'm a member of the Concerned Catholics uh, interested in the people who are not coming back into our church right now. Uh, in spite of the fact that many pastors are encouraging parishioners to, re- to re- return to their churches. You know, in our Catholic Church, I don't see a return to parishioners. And, you know, this is unfortunate too, Linda, because uh, Jesus sent us away. We're supposed to be the salt and the light of the earth. Uh, that was mentioned there a couple of Sundays ago in our, when I went to Mass. And I've offered, uh, you know, courses, free courses for people interested in pursuing the Catholic faith, left Catholics and their families, and encouraging them to uh, return to the churches, repent, and bring their children up in the catechism of the Catholic Church. You know, Linda, if we're we're supposed to be the salt and light of the earth, we need to be doing a lot better than what we're doing right now at the present time. Unless people are going to change their ways in the way they live and get rid of the secularism, because we have too much of it in society right now, it may be too late. When you say come back to the church, um, are you talking about uh, uh, since the, I suppose, scandals in the 1990s or since COVID, or what are you talking about precisely? Uh, Linda, I'm talking about before the pandemic, we had major problems in our churches, people not coming to church. This was long before the pandemic. And uh, I, I had my ad in the paper and the telegram in, interested for people interested in pursuing the Catholic faith, lapsed Catholics and their families. I didn't get one f- phone call for anybody interested in pursuing it. And I was very disappointed in that, you know. And like I said, I mean, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth and light, and light to the world. So we need to get out there and uh, try to do something to try to get our uh, people back in their church life again. So what I do mean, you suppose only... is behind that? Pardon? What do you suppose is behind that? Behind what, Linda? Behind the the fact that people are not coming back or not responding to those uh, kinds Linda, of appeals. Linda, we, we live in a very secular society at the present time right now. You know, there's there's people more interested in sports than they are in in the Lord, and that's unfortunate because I mean people need to realize that if they're and on a Sunday, for instance, if people want to go to sports, they have to realize that that has to come second. I mean, they have to go to church on Sundays, and whatever else is going on in the afterwards regarding sports, uh, going to church is the most important thing for them to do. How, is, has the, how has the church evolved, if you will, uh, in light of some of the things that have been happening, and, and the fact that people are just saying, you know what, uh, the, the message or the way the messages can be conveyed to me doesn't speak to me anymore. So uh, how, how do you, how is the church evolved, if you will. Uh, people are not listening when they go to church on Sundays, and in many cases. Uh, I, I see them sometimes. They're, they're doing every, everything but listening to the pastor. And this is unfortunate, too, because, I mean, you, you know, the pastor is up there. He's trying to get the message across to people, how to live right. And if the people are not interested in, in listening to them, well, that's unfortunate. But they got to realize they, they have to get their lives together. When they go to church on Sunday, they have to sit down and listen and get rid of the distractions around them. And because, I mean, I can't, I can't understand why people go to church on Sunday and get involved in so many distractions. People have to listen to the pastor. 
I mean, they, we have to be the salt of the, salt of the earth and light to the world. And we have to be consumed with the Holy Spirit in our life. This is what we are meant to be. We're meant to be a happy people. You know, we're meant to be a, a joyful people. We have to be joyful. I mean, you send Christmas cards to people, you know, joy to the world. That has to have meaning in life. You know, unless people are prepared to, you know, confess their sins, come out of confession as a new person, well, then they're, you know, they're, they're wasting their time. They, they're, they're, they get into anxiety. They get into despair. And this is not the way to live. We're supposed to be happy people. We're supposed to be helping people out. We're supposed to love our neighbors ourselves in this life. And that's what life is all about, Linda. But what and do you what do, do you say to people who say, you know what, um, you know, I was raised this way, uh, my parents uh, forced me to go to church or whatever, you know, because some people uh, feel in, you know, that that's how it felt to them, um, and and yet um, we were seeing people who were telling us how to live our lives not following that same doctrine and in fact doing some pretty awful things and not just on one occasion but on numerous occasions and around the world people have been seeing these sort of things and and exposing them for what they are and and rejecting that Uh, so how do you respond to I guess that um dichotomy of a message and the the people who are conveying the message who people might be saying well there was one time I trusted you but now I might not necessarily trust you anymore well in speaking for myself on that issue I realize we're all sinners in this life some to a lesser and some to a greater degree and in spite of the fact that we're all sinners we have to try to do the best we can in this life we we have to be concerned about our own self as far as our our own condition and the Lord, and not to be thinking about other people. We need to be concerned about our own condition and the Lord, and that's the most important thing to focus on. We we can't let our, our tongue be like the rudder of a ship and just run roughshod over other people either. I mean, we can't slander people, we can't defame people, we can't do any of those things. What we have to do is be concerned about our own personal situation between ourselves and the Lord. And that's the most important thing in this life. I realize we're all sinners, like I mentioned, to a lesser or a greater degree. But leaving that aside, we have to be concerned about, number one, ourselves and Jesus. And this is the most important thing in this life to focus on. David, I appreciate your call this morning. and I'd love to hear from some lapsed Catholics and see what they have to say about it. I uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Linda, for your giving me the time. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. And we're back. Uh, we're going to go now to Ed on line three. Hi, Ed. Today, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Oh, not bad, not bad. Um... I noticed there um, on Friday, Saturday, apparently the Eastern School Board District decided to cancel a contract for Gladys for buses. Now, I'm not sure exactly how many buses they got, but I looked at Google Earth and looked at their compound up there, and they had like 40 or 50 school buses up there. But, yeah, according I mean, to Service NL, they had, um, I think it was roughly 40, yeah, in in service, yeah. 
you know, I mean, they usually bus companies usually have backup buses just in case one goes down so they can get a bus on the road so the routes can land. So say if they got, say, 50 buses or something like that, I don't know exactly. But, I mean, this is an accident that happened down down in Old Brow Cove Road area, as far as I can understand, through some of the new news outlets. We don't know exactly what happened at this particular incident, right? I don't think anybody's actually given any information of exactly what happened because, I mean, obviously the motor vehicle commercial division has to do with investigation and police have to do an investigation of what happened in his accident, right? We don't know if, say, the person slipped underneath the wheels. We don't know if it's driver's fault, mechanical problems. We have no idea. But to turn around and to suspend or cancel an entire fleet of buses or 40 or 50 buses on the road, transporting 2,000 plus students and the drivers themselves who drive these vehicles because of safety concerns, because they don't know what happened to the accident, is interrupting not just every single student and families and bus drivers and all this, but I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on everybody who goes to all these schools of trying to figure out how the heck they're going to get their kids to school. Now, the, the school district has not made a, a correlation between what happened last week and, and this decision. Um, they've said that this is a, a sequence of fleet and operational concerns that have been um, brought forward over the last number of for you know, there's been a number of issues, and that they've suspended the contract while they conduct a review. Um, so it's it's not a cancellation outright; it's a suspension, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but I can fully understand and appreciate the concern um, that parents would have suddenly trying to find a way to get their kids back and forth to school. Well, for the remainder of the week, really. Yeah, I mean, this is a commercial vehicle. These vehicles are inspected, literally twice a year. In most cases, they're inspected every single month to make sure everything's mechanically sound in buses. I know that for a fact because, I mean, I've drove buses years ago, and I know how it actually works. The problem is with this is that you're canceling service, interrupting all these people because of one unfortunate, unfortunate accident. We don't know who's at fault. And the amount of vehicles that are driving around school buses when you're trying to get a person off a school bus is ridiculous because people on the road itself, not just the drivers, like, like, like a commercial driver, they're usually knows what they're at. But these people who are driving around little SUVs and little cars and all that, they want to anxiously get past all these buses when it's school time and they're literally almost causing accidents, right? I mean, example, I seen a, um, a van up to Avalon Ford the other day. And the whole front end of the van was hit by something yellow. So I'm told, buddy, said, no, you got to watch out for them posts. He said, no, it actually hit a school bus. I was like, oh, that sucks. That's going to kill your insurance pretty darn fast. So, I mean, they're blaming what? What's the actual school board blaming? The bus, the driver, the entire company because of an accident? Right? Well, we again, they happened. said it was a series of um, operational concerns. Well, it is. It is winter time. You're going to get more accidents anyway. You're going to get distracted driving. You're going to get people going around not paying attention. Apparently, they're mechanical. Going. They mentioned well, that. Well, we don't know if it's mechanical or not. They haven't really told anybody, have they? Right? I mean, I haven't seen anything on the news exactly what happened to that particular accident. 
maybe we won't know until somebody actually comes out and tells us, okay, what happened to this particular accident? Yeah, and again, the uh, NLESD has not made a correlation between that incident and this decision. Yeah, so we don't know, right? So they're going to assume that the entire fleet of buses they got, there's a problem with, which doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense because, like I say, you're interrupting, say, 2,000 students plus. You got drivers who are now out of work because of this. Right, because they can't work, they're not getting paid to do nothing. That's for sure. Right. So what? In, I mean, maybe there's other incidents involved. I have no idea. But they're putting a hell of a lot of people who are now extremely ticked off of what they're going to do with their children and daycare and this and that and everything else. Then they got to deal with their work and all that. So the school board is is unfortunately. <sighs> To me, they don't they don't seem to know what they're actually doing when it comes to doing stuff like this. Right? Because I mean they're affecting a lot more people than just students. Right? Okay. Well, Ed, we'll, we'll see what other um, parents and, and residents have to say. I've got the uh, MHA, actually, for Topsail Paradise uh, next in the queue. So we'll see what he has to say, too, because it affects a lot of people in his district. Well, this, this is the thing. It affects a lot of people. What the heck they're going to do with the kids and that, where they're going to, you know, how they're going to change their entire lives because of a decision by a school board that really doesn't think what their actions are going to do. It's different if it's like, you know, a snowstorm on the go. That's different. Did you receive the email from the English school district? Oh, I don't I don't receive any emails from in, in, in English school district at all. Okay, no, so you're not a parent who is immediately con, um, affected? No, but I know parents who are. Oh, okay. They're all really right. ticked off, right? They're really pissed off because... They have no idea how they're going to get their kids to school because in most cases, they have no vehicle to get their kids to the actual schools themselves. Yeah. And they can't pay for taxis because they're damn well expensive. All right. How many taxis on the road here? Well, Ed, we'll, we'll see what others have to say about it. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, they better they better start smartening up a little bit better in what they are because you're not doing too good. You're not impressing the public very good. All right. Thank you. Hey, have a good day. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to go now to the uh, MHA for Topsail Paradise. He's also the uh, PC health critic, Paul Din. Hello. Good morning, Linda. How are you? Great. So uh, are you hearing from parents affected by this uh, bus contract suspension? Oh, most certainly. As soon as the, uh, the announcement went out, uh, uh, getting calls and emails on it, uh, and, you know, very limited information as well we've gotten, although the department has tried to keep us up to up to uh, date on uh, where they're going with it. There's been little information in terms of what the issue is and, and other than it's a safety issue and, they, you know, they suspended the operation for, for a particular bus service. But it does create uh, creates havoc for, for parents and then kids alike who are uh, trying to get to school and now who depend on busing. Because uh, there's quite a few, quite a few uh, students in my district that uh, that uh, get back and forth to school via bus. So it's, uh, you know, hopefully they'll have something in place soon. They talk about contingency plans, uh, the government does. But uh, you know, I look at this and I say, well, when these contracts are awarded, you know, uh, I would hope, I would hope that there's a total review done to ensure the quality and the uh, mechanical operation of the buses and all, all, all the like are up to par and able to operate. Uh, 
So uh, and all that information, by the way, is available yeah. on the Service NL website. Yeah. yeah. So one would think one would think that uh, you know uh, a drastic uh, situation like this wouldn't happen. You know, uh, and to pull every, every suspend everything until this looked at. Uh, you know, it's in the name of safety. There's no doubt about it. So you know, safety trumps all. Uh, but I, I hope they have something solved sooner rather than later. I guess the only uh, the only uh, plus here is potentially tomorrow might be a snow day, so that might ease the burden on on uh, kids getting back and forth to school. But uh, you know, that doesn't cut it. So hopefully there'll be more information coming out from government that. Uh, that gives a better timeline um, when uh, operations will be back to some sense normal. For sure. And I know you wanted to talk about the uh, radiation therapist uh, situation, but we're, we're pretty close to a, a, a commercial break right now. Do you mind holding through that and we'll, we'll talk about radiation therapy? That's not a problem. All right. Just okay. one second. Now we're going to take a short break and we'll come back. We're going to continue our conversation with Paul Dinn, PC Health Critic. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. And we're back. We're going to continue our conversation now with the MHA for Topsail Paradise and PC Health critic Paul Din. Hello, Paul. Hi, Linda. Look, thank you for the invite for this. Uh, normally I'm calling in... Uh, <laughs> You know, unsolicited, but the uh, no uh, important issue uh, that needs to be discussed, and of course, anything with healthcare nowadays is important. For certain, and I know that the uh, the Canadian Association uh, for Radiation Technologists has expressed some pretty serious concerns there about the recent resignations, eight in total in yeah. recent months. Um, um, a full, I think it's one quarter of the uh, number yes. of radiation technologists we have working out of the H. Bliss Murphy Cancer Centre, and now we have a new centre that's going to be opening in Corner Brook at some point. It's going to require eight more, so some pretty serious concerns there raised about uh, recruitment efforts and, and you know, how they're not meeting with the kind of success, they say, that, uh, that they should be. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, you know, it's really, uh, really important for people out there to understand those who are going through it. When you, I mean, when you get a cancer diagnosis and you hear that word, uh, that creates, you know, all levels of emotion within the individual and the uh, and the family that supports them, and you know, you look to uh, radiation therapy as as one one means in ter- in to to deal with that. And I, I do want to say, uh, although you know, radio radiation therapists are warning that treatment programs are at risk of crumbling. You know, we're not there yet. yet. Yeah, say yet, but the uh, and I understand we're still. You know, the treatments are going on as scheduled, and uh, but we do have to do something to address the upcoming issues. I mean, as you said, there's quite a number have resigned. Uh, there's two since uh, since the new year have have left the field, and you know I've gotten up in the house since I've taken on the the role of uh, the uh, shadow minister for health you know, for almost two years now and uh, raised the issue about the supporting uh, uh, professionals that are needed there in terms of meeting with the allied health professionals was one group, you know, have have quite a, uh, they deal with a number of different professional groups. And, you know, the, again, this goes back to this is, this is not something that was uh, unpredicted. You know, this is very predictable in listening to what was happening. Uh, 
you know, the, the minister will come on and talk about the, uh, you know, the efforts they do through the come home year incentive. Um, I don't know how successful that is. I have we, we've gotten some numbers, but nothing to really say what's happened there. And you know, they they expanded that just recently to add add uh, respiratory therapists and radiation therapists. You know, just recently adding those. Uh, you know, if I if I'm looking at this and looking at the whole issue around healthcare here, and we're we're seeing it in all areas. I mean, the nurses are a huge one. The doctors are huge. You know, nurse practitioners or paramedics. It's huge all the way through. And and sometimes people don't realize about these. Uh, you know, the other professionals in behind the scenes who do do huge uh, important work uh, for for patients. And uh, you know, to add them to the list just recently. I mean, if I'm coming in with a program. And an incentive. I'm opening it up to everyone. What's the worst that can happen, Linda? The worst can happen is you may get too many for some occupation, and you deal with it. That's a good problem to have. But the key, you know, I, I expect down the road we're going to hear another expansion and a few other uh, occupations added. It's just this piecemeal approach to dealing with such a serious issue that was known ahead of time is just not just not doing it, and it's and it's putting people through. Uh, such unnecessary anxiety and families and that and and worry uh you know about whether they're going to get their treatments on time and whether they're going to be uh you know have have their their lifespan expanded because what we know cancer you know cancer can be beaten we know that we know it's not a death sentence we know that but the minute you hear that word that's not top of mind top of mind for someone who gets a trans, uh, cancer diagnosis is how does this get treated and let's start it as soon as possible. And if we don't have the professionals there, that's a delay. But again, as I said, currently right now, I understand, you know, the demand is being met. Individuals and patients are getting their treatments on time. But let's let's get ahead of this and make sure and, and let's stop stop the flow of professionals out of the province and let's work on the retention of keeping them here and see what's, you know, I mean, they're, our radiation therapists are the lowest compensated around, I believe. Yeah, one on of, average, uh, $10 less than their counterparts in other jurisdictions. And, and think about it. I mean, the life-saving treatments they do, and, you know, there's that difference in pay. That's amazing. You know, that's amazing. And you talk about trying to compete. Government tells us, oh, we're on par with, with everyone else. Well, we're obviously not on par. We're not on par. And, you know, people's health care is, is number one issue. And, and we've got to start dealing with it as if it is number one issue. And I don't get any confidence from this government that it's being done. You know, you talk about, for example, the, uh, the tra- health, health uh, grant or transfers the other day, you know, and there's going to be more meetings on it. And, you know, for our premier to come home and say, I think, Newfoundland, from Newfoundland Labrador's perspective, it's a win for us, as opposed to the per capita formulation before. But the per capita formulation is still there. The money's still divided based on population. You know, and there's a little bit of flexibility there with, uh, through uh, bilateral agreements. But, you know, it gives me no confidence when the leader of our government, our province, it, it makes statements like that. It's, it's out of touch. And, you know, people's lives are in the balance. So whether it's radiation therapists, respiratory therapists, cardiology technologists, the list goes on, and we have to get ahead of it. 
We have to get ahead of it or stop the uh, the bleed and let's get more people here. And look, put, you know, offer, offer the incentives across the board. And if you get too many, that, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful problem to have. I don't expect it would happen, but why are we doing this piecemeal by piecemeal? There was no expansion of the home care, home, uh, come home incentive. All it was was they added some more occupations to it. And uh, they should have it all inclusive from the start, you know. Paul Din, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. No, thank you so much. And look, uh, I do want to do a shout out. Uh, I spent this morning up at one of our schools here, Octane Pond Elementary, because Teachers Appreciation Week. And to see the kids up there welcoming teachers was a, was a positive thing. And I tell you one thing, we need some positive things here, uh, especially when we're talking about health care. But uh, anyone out there, you know, they can reach out to me if they've got issues that they I think I can help them with. And I'll, I'll do my best. Appreciate your time. Thank All you. All the best. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to go now to the caller on line one. Hello. Hello. Oh, hello, Linda. How are you doing? Good. Uh, Lucy here. Um, thanks for taking my call. No trouble. <clears throat> I'm uh, just inquiring now about this. Uh, I know that the uh, the Prime Minister had a meeting um, for health care with all the uh, premiers. And um, basically, um, what I've come to find out is um, there were some conditions in receiving those funds. Um, And one of the conditions is to um, implement the the, uh, digital ID. And um, basically, um, I know that a lot of people here in Newfoundland I've talked to are very nervous and concerned about possibly getting this digital ID for various reasons. Um, apparently, I heard that we're going to be the first province of uh, Canada that are going to be doing this pilot project. Um, Fury has agreed to that. And, uh, you know, there there are a lot of legitimate concerns, um, you know, uh, in, in regards to our information being, um, you know, out there and being able to be compromised. Um, as you know, the Tim's app, uh, all that information got leaked. Our healthcare system got hacked. Revenue Canada, there's ID theft that's rampant. You know, so all of our information, are, I would assume, would possibly be on there. The MCP license, our SIN, et cetera. I do know that um, Saskatchewan and Alberta are saying no to this. Um, you know, I was just reading actually. Um, Saskatchewan uh, Premier Scott Moe says province will not go along with the national health care uh, digital ID. The government of Saskatchewan will not share any personal medical information with the federal government. This information is protected under the Health Information Protection Act and will remain so. So Scott Mullen is saying um, his government will not participate in any of this national health care ID, digital ID program as a uh, condition to receiving funding for health care from the federal government. So I'm not sure if if all your listeners are aware of all this. However, all of our information and our health information will have, you know, will be co- 
easily compromised under that condition. I mean, it, sometimes it may seem easier and faster and more convenient, you know, to put it all on the one. So many identity thefts and hacking on going on right now, you know, it's, it's, it's a valid concern. I think it's a valid concern, absolutely. Um, when you consider that, you know, you have a card right now, whether it be MCP or your driver's license or whatever the case may be, and this pilot project, my understanding is, has to do with just uh, digital IDs as a whole, as opposed to mm-hmm. entirely with the health system, but maybe they're going to be integrating that. I don't know enough about it just yet. But um, the whole idea is that this is supposed to make it safer. I don't see how that's safer when I have a card in my wallet. And if I know my wallet is on me, all I have to do is show you my wa- my card that says, here's my face. You can see my face and here's my birth yeah. date. And yeah. uh, whoever you're showing that to is only going to be satisfied with, okay, you're old enough to buy some alcohol. That's great. Or whatever the case may be. Uh, they're not going to remember that or uh, c- contain, uh, put that in an ID, uh, in a database somewhere. Um, I think it's safer to have the card, but maybe I'm old-fashioned. I don't know. No, it's not about being old-fashioned. It's about all the hacking that's happening right now. I mean, these uh, hackers have become so smart, you know, over these past few years. And as we all know, there's we're getting phone calls. We're getting, you know, people are getting ripped off left, right, and, and, and center, you know. And, and the fact that Mo flat out rejected this, um, he said he wouldn't take any money from the federal government should a digital ID be on the table, you know. So I'm not sure if, if our listeners are aware that in order to accept this money from the federal government for our medical uh, care, um, we have to, that is one of the conditions, is we have to uh, implement this digital ID. So we are the pilot project, we are the pilot project, the guinea pigs again. Um, so, you know, I mean, they're saying it's optional, but they are, a lot of times they do say that at the beginning, you know, and I mean, my concern is, you know, what about the seniors and, and what about all these people who possibly won't get the digital ID? Will they be, um, you know, like, shunned through having services like will they be able to have access to the same services as the other person who has the digital id you know these are valid concerns that will be coming up in the future we're not worried about it right now but i really really would like for newfoundlanders to think hard about this one yeah and i'd like to hear from our privacy commissioner as well uh, see what uh, he has to say about it he's usually very thoughtful when it comes to those kinds of things i mean um our data uh, the information about us is mm-hmm. uh, is being I don't know, mind at every turn. <laughs> uh, yep. You just have to notice your social media feeds to know that for a fact. Absolutely, um, and all the algorithms and everything that's happening now. It's crazy what's happening. And, you know, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, it was going this deep. I just figured, you know, I, I heard about it and I didn't really, I was researching a little about it, but I mean, I figured, you know, what's the big deal? We get an idea, digital ID, but I mean, apparently this is a whole whole different level when he's when scott when premier scott moe said his government will not participate in any type of national health care id program as a condition to receive funding and, and, and you know so so it says there right in there that this information is protected under the health information protection act and will remains and will remain so and, and daniel smith is not uh, going along with this either but uh, you know uh, it's like it's like a kid with a candy well you can have the candy if you do this you know 
Very interesting and uh, lots of food for thought. I really appreciate your call. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much for your time, Linda. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yeah, and uh, according to the Western Standard, Premier Scott Moe told the Trudeau government Saskatchewan will not create or participate in a national health care digital ID. The government Saskatchewan is not creating a digital ID, nor will we accept any requirements for the creation of a digital ID tied to health care funding, wrote Moe in a public letter to Saskatchewanians. That's not easy to say. Your thoughts? Give us a call. We're going to take a short break. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. And we're back. We're going now to uh, Dennis O'Keefe on, oops, that's not the right mouse. Here we go. Uh, Line three. Hello. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Haven't talked to you in a while. Not in a little while. Yeah. Linda, I got two things on my mind now this morning, and uh, I had intended to call on I'm voted really, so I figured I'd seize the chance. Uh, I want to congratulate the lady you just spoke to who brought up the uh, digital ID system that uh, I expect our fury will try and impose on Newfoundland and Labrador. The, the, this system, Linda, will be the most intrusive foray into privacy than we've ever seen in our lives. Now, and apparently, already, it's commonplace in Europe. Uh, most well, EU countries are using it. Uh, it's commonplace in Europe because all of it is coming out of the World Economic Forum, of which Trudeau is an acolyte, Tony Blair is an acolyte, Tony Blair visited our Fury last fall, and he didn't come to fish. He came to talk about the WEF, and he spent the whole day with cameras, filming a filming crew. And uh, our Fury is an acolyte of Trudeau. And now Trudeau has the gall to say to the premiers of Canada, you sign on to this system or you're not getting the funding for health care. Now, what gives that man that kind of power? And it will be, if, you, if people do the research on it, uh, as it continues, and I've, I've, I know the Privacy Commissioner and the commissioners right across Canada are aware of it, and they're looking at it, and they're going to analyze it. Uh, thank God we have the premiers of Alberta and Saskatchewan, who are saying, number one, we're not doing this, and number two, you shouldn't be tying this into healthcare. Healthcare is more important in Canada than any kind of system. And for Trudeau to tie healthcare funding for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians and Canadians into imposing a privacy system is ridiculous and it's it's and his cabinet ministers they must be minions the the joanne thompson's the seamus o'regan's and the other newfoundland labrador liberals who would tie into this 
should stay out of this province. Now, if this is commonplace in most Western uh, world countries, uh, then why not? Uh, I mean, we're heading in that direction anyway. Um, as long as we have the appropriate legislation to ensure um, that it's being done in the right way and, and with the right, I guess, protections. Well, that, and if that's the way it turns out, fine. If if privacy is fully and totally protected, fine. But it's it yes, it's being trialed in Europe. But again, as I say, it's coming out of the World Economic Forum and their agenda for the world and their agenda to change behavior and be able to tell us what to wear, when to wear it, what to drive, how many children to have, and on it goes. I mean, you know, we're approaching. Uh, 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 Dangerous time in our yeah, well, world. That's already now. happening we, with social media. It's people. already happening. It's already happening. It it doesn't mean it has to happen everywhere. It's happening because people are letting it happen. And other right across the world, there are people who are speaking out on this, and and now we have our premier speaking out on it. So for us here, there are two things. One is that digital system. My private. Nobody needs to see my medical record except me. Period. And the other thing is the gall of a prime minister to tie health into a policy that he, as a leader of the World Economic Forum, wants to bring to Canada. It should come to Canada if Canadians want it. If Canadians doesn't want, do not want it, shouldn't be here. And I'm asking Newfoundlanders and Labradorians to convey that message to our provincial government. Have the guts. Stand up to Trudeau, just like Alberta and Saskatchewan. The other thing, Linda, I want to mention, and then you can ask me, uh, is the Public Utilities Board. What in the name of God is going on in there with the price of petroleum? Last week, they adjusted the price three times in one week. And any Newfoundlander who bought gasoline or furnace oil on Friday or Saturday of last week got screwed out of hundreds of dollars. And and it all comes back, again, another crowd who are out of touch, the Public Utilities Board and the minister responsible for the board, who is Sarah Studley. Somebody has got to say to the PUB, we can't wait for the report that you've been doing now since last June. We need somebody from the government to call the commission to order and find out for now, while that study is being done, just find out what the heck they are doing to the adjusting the price three and four times a week. I mean, this is just ridiculous and it's hurting people. Well, I, I mean, of course, it's uh, a kind of an outdated model, if you will. It, it always has to wait for that 24 hours. for, the, And I mean, the, the uh, mar- markets are just so volatile recently. I mean, luckily, in recent days, it's been going down. It's been going favorably. So yes, a lot of people would want to see that change three times if if the cost is going down in the course of one week, because if it's not, then you're paying more for what reason? Yeah, but Linda, last week the price per barrel, the price of Brent, the price of Brent went down early, or it was relatively stable. I mean, it didn't it didn't change dramatically. But yet, the the price of furnace oil, for example, 
one day it went it went down five cents, and I guess a lot of people rushed to get furnace oil, figuring, wow, we got a break. So th- they did, and then the next day it went down ten cents, and a lot of people rushed out to get furnace oil because it went down. And then the next day it went down twenty three cents a litre. <laughs> I mean, when when the consumer group for fair gas crisis was was founded by myself and several other people back in the early two thousands, uh, there was a formula in place that adjusted the prices every Thursday, every Thursday. So people knew every Thursday the price would be adjusted, and only in extreme circumstances. Did George Saunders, as the commissioner, ever use what was then called the interruption formula? And in in all the years that the uh, commission was in order, that interruption formula wasn't used. It wasn't used. I don't think eight times. And now it's being used every week, two or three times. I mean, whatever information they had on. And when they changed the price on, on Wednesday or Thursday, that didn't just happen. And then the next day, they got more information and changed it again. I mean, look, the whole idea of regulation was to change the price once a week in order to stabilize things. Now, nobody knows in a week where the price is going to go. And that is costing Newfoundlanders and Labradorians hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And there's no need for it. And it only happened when the PUB took over, when the Williams government transferred the, uh, abolished the commission and turned the, the work over to the PUB. And the PUB came up with a formula that is now, I don't know what, what in the name of God is happening, and it's up to Sarah Studley and and the Premier to f- just find out what are you fellas doing in here and ladies doing every week. We can't. We just can't go through the winter like this. I mean, the the review that they're talking about is only now gone into a consultation phase. I mean, it'll be. 2024 before they come up with anything, if they come up with anything at all. And by then, I guess people, uh, to uh, not to use a pun, but people will be drained, and not of oil, but of money. Dennis, I appreciate your time. Thank you. I thank you too, Linda, and you have a good day, and let's hope we miss that snow. I don't think it's happening. We'll soon find <laughs> out. Brian Medor will have all the details now coming up in our news. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Linda. All right, bye-bye. And we're off to news with Brian Medor. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. And we're back. Uh, Linda Swain in for Patty Daly, who is off this week. And I cannot find a single reference uh, not one, you know, from a, you know, one of the traditional news uh, sources anyway, um, about a condition related to digital IDs. Uh, now, digital IDs are being used in all kinds of jurisdictions for all kinds of reasons. Think about how much of the um, normal interactions that you have on a daily basis are online these days. Uh, so a lot of jurisdictions are bringing in digital IDs to make that process simpler. Think about all those 
different, you know, whether it be shopping with Amazon or uh, trying to get your driver's license or whatever the case may be. It's a, a variety of issues now that we're dealing with all online. And a digital ID would be that one ID that you use in all of those kinds of forums, I would imagine. But I can't find anything to say that that's a condition of the healthcare. Uh, nothing. I find nothing here. So uh, anyway, if anybody has any information on that, uh, they're certainly welcome to give us a call. We're going to go now to Charlie. You're on the air. Good morning, Linda. Nice to hear you again. Thanks. Uh, beautiful w- winter day. Uh, I want to respond to uh, uh, two or three of your callers. All right. I listen to Colin very often, and I think I would say I agree with him uh, maybe 90% of the time. But his comments on uh, China, nuclear war, I think, uh, I won't say it's alarmist, but they're not realistic, I feel. Uh, the Chinese can, can get back Taiwan with a blockade. If they blockade that nation, uh, they can uh, eventually uh, uh, capture it easily or bring it to its knees. And there's nobody in the United States is going to go to a nuclear uh, confrontation with China over a blockade. In fact, I would argue they wouldn't even go that far with a full invasion of Taiwan, right? Well, they've been, uh, uh, um, you know, the entire Western world actually is trying to avoid a nuclear confrontation with Russia right now. Yes. And and in a similar fashion, Putin has threatened that uh, uh, often, and uh, he's not going to do that either, uh, because nobody nobody wants to destroy themselves, and uh, that's that's he's smart enough to know that that's what would happen there. He hasn't even used tactical nukes with all his losses on the battlefield, and that if he was going to use nuclear, he would have used tactical way before this. So I think in both instances, uh, when people talk of uh, an imminent uh, nuclear war, uh, I think it's uh, a little bit alarmist. Uh, can you imagine, uh, by the way, the Chinese presence in the uh, Caribbean to the extent that the United States is in the China Sea? Can you imagine uh, a reverse situation there? How so? Well, if they if they were doing what the United States does with its allies in, in the South China Sea, if China was over with Russia sending ships and planes all through the Caribbean and uh, violating airspace and so on. uh, uh, That's unthinkable, as you know. Perhaps China views uh, 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 the American presence in that uh, so close to their shores in a little... Perhaps that's why they're so aggressive there, but uh, just as a thought, if it was reversed, right? No, I hear you. Um, And it's so hard to know, you know, unless you know all the... Uh, workings uh, afoot there, and a lot of it we don't know. We simply don't know. I mean, why would anyone reveal their uh, military plans to the world, <laughs> if you know what I yeah. mean? So, uh, but it's it's all, I guess, food for thought and and something to watch. I mean, sometimes we get so involved in our own lives and and we're so insular. Um, that we don't necessarily, we're not necessarily paying attention to what's happening on a global scale. But uh, certainly these objects, whatever they are, and for whatever reason they are, and for whatever, you know, the the answers haven't been entirely forthcoming just yet. And um, they are, I guess, a source of great curiosity right now. Well, 
I, w- I would say uh, 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 people, you, you, you basically said most people live in a bubble, and I've said that many times, and I still, people, people don't see sometimes uh, beyond their, their, their daily uh, concerns. But anyway, as far as the balloons, uh, I, think, I think, as one guy said, it's a little bit of a test to see how, how, uh, the readiness of the NORAD and the United States. As far as spying, I mean, we've got satellites. The United States has got them going over China all, all, all the time, as they've got them over us. So I, I don't see it as being the big deal, except uh, we have to respond, and I think I think I think they've done that. Uh, I'd like to respond to the caller uh, about people leaving prison. They should shape up. Uh huh. That that's okay, is it? If I go there? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. Uh, they made it sound like when you come out, uh, all you have to do is say, "I'm going to be a good guy now," and or a good girl, good gal, and <laughs> I can I can turn things around. I think they underestimate the uh, what what people coming back into society face. First of all, I don't believe the supports are there to the extent that Buddy was saying. And as far as uh, uh, going and and getting a regular job and turning your life around, when you've lived a life of. Uh, uh, that kind of value system all your life. You don't simply come out and you, you, you're back in the same environment too with your friends who uh, are plotting the next job and so on. This is almost, I won't say impossible, but it's next to uh, impossible for the majority of people coming out to make that change uh, like he's talking about, right? Especially most of if you're... Work, most of them have few work skills, and they also, uh, people won't hire them as easily with, with, with the record. I think that has to be looked at, too. But anyway, go ahead. Absolutely. And especially if you consider that, uh, you know, they're dealing with addictions, which is not an easy thing to to try to conquer. Um, uh, if they have some kind of a mental health or um, um, learning disability, if you will, um, you know, in, in some cases, they have a lot of things going against them that are not easy to overcome. Some people do. Uh, but like you say now, if you're going back to your same friends, your same, in some cases, family, yeah. um, uh, who are involved in that type of lifestyle, how do you, I mean, it, uh, it, it seems insurmountable in some cases. I'm not saying yeah. it's a hopeless case. Because uh, a lot of people do succeed, but uh, it's it's difficult. Well, I would agree. All those factors you mentioned, uh, I, 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 you, you had a better list of things than I had there, and uh, they're all true. And uh, just briefly on the call about the church, if I may, uh, just just quickly. I don't know if he's noticed or not, but the the new God is is not of the Bible. The the, the new God is the dollar bill, and. Uh, uh, getting people to forsake that God and, and go back to the spiritual one is, is, is not an easy task. <laughs> I would say in churches I've seen, uh, I'm not, not so much Catholic perhaps as uh, the Anglican and so on, you go, you go to church and you, you see next to no young people uh, in, in, in some of these places. If, if you see very many under 40, it's usually two or three small kids that have tagged along with the, with the parents. The younger, the younger set in, in the 20s, 30s, they've pretty well abandoned these old line churches. I guess the Pentecostal might be an exception to that. Uh, there's still a lot of people they can scare into... Uh, uh, going to hell on that, you know, with their message. But uh, that's that's the way I would see it anyway. That's it for me, Linda. All right, Charlie, thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to go now to Robin. You're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Robin. How are you? Good. 
I'm enjoying this beautiful sunshine while it lasts. <laughs> oh, what a day, what a day. The calm before the storm, as they say. Exactly. Um, so I, I've been meaning to call and talk about governance for a while, because uh, I think that's like a lack of governance or a prioritization of governance in all of our structures. Uh, can easily explain why our systems are breaking down. Um, but I was listening this morning to the caller from the prison, from HMP. And ooh, I found that really hard uh, to listen to about what they're experiencing. And then I heard the caller after that. Um, and I like how Charlie described it. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in Newfoundland just living within their own bubbles. And so, you know, there's so many things that contribute to someone ending up uh, in HMP. Um, and, you know, back in the day when we had, uh, say, pre-1995 or 2000, our family systems were much different than they are now. You know, you had more more siblings, um, parents who were home more, grandparents and aunts and uncles who were around to help a family raise their children. Um, so a lot of kids were supported, even though their parents may have not uh, had all the things necessary, necessary or, you know, mental health illness or poverty, lack of uh, money. All those things can contribute to stress on a parent. And then that makes it really difficult for them to um, parent their children in a way that they grow up to be healthy and happy and contributing citizens of society. And so um, coupled with that change in our demographics and how we live um, is, you know, people moving to more urban centers, um, more single family, uh, single parent families. Uh, and in the last um, almost 10 years now, defunding of our social programs and a lack of governance and accountability uh, in funding for social programs. So most of our social programs are contracted out to private or nonprofit enterprises, but there's really no uh, outcomes tied to their funding. There's no strategic plan. Um, there's no review of the funds and how they're spent and what they're doing with it. So, you know, there's just a whole pile of money going out there um, without any, um, without any tracking, without any, um, understanding of where it's going and what it's doing and what, what it's actually working towards. So you see social systems that we have, like homelessness and food security, are just doing emergency band-aid responses as opposed to actually getting in and figuring out and solving the problem. And if we had good governance and accountability and transparency, <laughs> those things would uh, be firmer and better in place and we wouldn't be in this position. Um, I had a guest on On Target not too long ago. Um, she's a sociologist, but she happens to be with uh, MNL. Yeah, Dietra. Yeah. And she, she was referencing this very thing. She said this is, um, there's this downloading of the services that governments and, and, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, whether it be municipal, provincial, or, or federal, used to provide that are now being downloaded. And don't get me wrong, they're all doing great jobs with what they Absolutely. have. Um, they're all being downloaded onto, um, uh, you know, not-for-profits and those kinds of things, when really, the ultimately, it should be government that's providing these services. Um, the not-for-profits can be providing backup services, if you will. Um, so is that part of the problem? Is that what you're talking about now? 
Absolutely. And I even don't have problems with government contracting out services to non-for-profit. I have a huge problem with them contracting it out to profit, for-profit. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of care. Um, like the majority of our kids in care, the kids that are in the foster system, who are unable to be placed within a family, they're being uh, raised by for-profit enterprises who are making money off these kids who are then not leaving uh, these institutions with the right skills to be able to be a contributing member of society. So, you know, uh, it's hard to say that every person who goes into prison can come out and, you know, think to themselves, you know, I I can not do this anymore. There is nothing available uh, for a man right now for harm reduction for addiction. Um, if, you know, your only choice is to get into one of the addiction centers, the wait list is, I mean, months, months. And so who knows if you're going to even want to be um, sober when your time comes. Every uh, uh, program that was offered in the prison uh, before, since COVID, has been removed. I know the Spirit Horse program used to go in there. They don't anymore. Um, There is uh, um, a shutdown of visitors. They don't have enough staff in there. And what's really interesting uh, and disturbing uh, is what happened over the summer with the heat in there. And I shared an ATIP report on my Twitter earlier that shows 77 pages of staff at HMP trying to get the Department of Justice to get someone come in and fix the, the boiler, so it wasn't 35 degrees in their um, in their uh, cells. So um, it's kind of hard to expect people who are in a, in this system and being uh, treated the way they are to come out and have any respect for anyone. <laughs> like if you don't have respect for them, uh, it's kind of silly to expect uh, prison or you know inmates to come out and then have respect for us. It's silly to expect that. Uh, Robin, I, I, we're up to a break, unfortunately, but I do appreciate your uh, input this morning. We'll see what others have to say. Thanks so much. Do I have time to just mention one thing about the digital ID? Yeah, very, very quickly. Okay. Yeah. So this is not new. Um, I agree that the digital ID shouldn't be made available to the federal government, but I do believe that the province should be uh, tracking more data so that we can better fund our programs. And we've actually been asking for that for a long time. And there is an operation in New Brunswick that has been doing um, digital IDs. Uh, Every child that's born is given a unique identifier number that's then attached to their health and social and education data. But all that data exists in a very special place. It's the um, uh, Institute for Research uh, out of the University of uh, New Brunswick. And so, like, not everyone can get access to it. But. Our Center for Health Information should be doing those those things. And uh, so digital information is not it's not a bad thing uh, if it's used properly. And I think it should live within the province as opposed to the, the government. But we need to get our affairs in order and get better governance at the Center for Health Information for it to be useful. And appropriate legislation in place, I would imagine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Robin, really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com.
This is Open Line on VOCM. And we're back. We've got a busy uh, lineup in the calls here. I'll get straight to Loyola Driscoll, who is uh, the PCMHA for Fairyland District. Hello, Loyola. Good morning, Linda. How are you this morning? Uh, good. What's the situation with the ambulances? Well, I here this morning. I spoke to the mayor this morning, and uh, until Wednesday of this week, there's not going to be any ambulance in Trapassi, according to what they hear. Uh, you know, that's pretty disturbing to hear. Uh, you know, the premier did guarantee that they'd have, you know, in 180 days, they'd have the situation taken care of. But it's vitally important to have something there today and every day to take care of the people in the district. And it's, uh, you know, in Trapassi as well. It's also in Cape Royal. You know, we're after having enough incidents in the last week that makes it pretty scary for the people in my district to wonder if there's an ambulance in the area or not. And, uh, you know, something time now for the government to get on board and get something in the area to take to make sure they're taken care of. It's so, really scary for the people, i got to say. Certainly, and I understand there's a staffing uh, issue there, and there yes. have, you know, these are ongoing staffing issues, and I know that the, uh, the operator there has said, look, it's time for Eastern Health to take care of it because they'll, be, they'll have enough staff to rotate in and out and, and keep the service in the area. So um, how is the area currently being served? Well, right now uh, it's coming from either Holy Road or St. John's when they get a call. Uh, you know, last week we had a, uh, an incident that happened and an ambulance came from St. John's and they're waiting over an hour. It's just too long. We need to get people in the area to get these places staffed, at least one in each area. You know, it's a, so what happens tomorrow in a big snowstorm tomorrow and an incident happens? You know, and uh, and that's most likely when stuff happens. You know, when when there's a bad day and you got to get to Trapassi, you got to get to Cape Royal, you're going across the Barrens, you're coming around Bayboles, big pond to get up here. People don't know the area. They got to get up here, and the government got to get people in place to be able to take care of the people in this district because it's not been done. So you know, it's a scary situation. Problem is, it could happen to anybody today, and that's the issue that I got with it. And not notifying the people, you know, that uh, that there's no ambulance in the district. You know, they should know because if somebody has a stroke or whatever incident it may be that you can get somebody in the car and get them to the hospital as quick as possible instead of waiting there for an hour, then maybe time is of the essence in that in that situation for sure. So what's the latest situation then? Uh, the uh, the company that serves the, that area has given notice and th- that's required by law. Uh, so where are we now? What What is the situation with Eastern Health? Any word on when they're going to take over the service? No, I spoke to the minister last week. He's certainly concerned about it. But, you know, he has, to, he has to get something done in the area. There's no question. You know, I've made numerous calls. I've getting good many emails and, you know, calls from residents that it could be me or you today that has somebody in the area that's vital that we have an ambulance here and they should get somebody here. You know, I've spoken to the minister on numbers of, numerous occasions to make sure that this is covered. And, you know, he's concerned with it. But let's get let's get it done. Let's get the problem solved and get people in here in this area because it's certainly critical in this day. I'm being told that there is an ambulance in Cape Royal for the next week for the Fairyland yes. service. Yeah, I, I heard that this morning, but again, like put out a notice, okay? So when it's gone, the people don't know it's gone is what I'm saying at times too as well. You know, if that's not there after a week, so when is it gone? You're, you're, you know, I'm talking to you now. How long is it there? It's there for a week, starting when? Yesterday, starting today, starting two days ago? When is it going to be gone? That's the issue for me in this, uh, you know, they don't let the people know when there's not one there. And that's a big concern. And like I'm getting so many calls, so many people meet you and say, we really got to get an ambulance in the area. And listen, I know more than anybody. We certainly do. 
Um, uh, Loyola Driscoll, I, I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, do keep us up to date. Thank you so much. I do appreciate the time. Linda, thanks so much. Alrighty. All right. Bye-bye. And your thoughts on that, by all means, give us a call. We did uh, receive a a note from Fewer saying saying that there is an ambulance in Cape Royal for the next week for the Ferryland service. That's from February 13th to February 19th. Uh, Not uh, uh, staffed in uh, Trapassi, but available for Trapassi and uh, area. Uh, Anybody who has thoughts on that, they're welcome to give us a call. We're going to go now to news with Brian Medore. Stay tuned. We've got a lot of news on the go. Join Brian Medore weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels. Newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. This is Open Line on VOCM. And we're back. We're going to go now to line one, James Kellaway. You're on the air. Hello, James. Is you there? No. All right. Well, we'll put them back on hold and just see what happened there. Um, how do I do that? You'll put them back on hold. Thank you. Um, we're going to go now to uh, Selena. You're on the air. Hello, Selena. That's you. Oh, hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. How are you, girl? Good. What's on your mind? Um. I was thinking about the whole thing about the security at Bannerman Park and uh, Boring Park. Uh huh. Because of vandalism. Right. So you know what I mean. You, you know it's on the news. Oh yes, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I find it curious that they have security going in those parks because of vandalism, taking flowers or spray painting when at least three of people I know got murdered in Barring Park. And I can throw the names out because they're dead. So why isn't, there was no security then. So someone picks a flower and spray paints a bathroom and they're going to shut it down because some bum on the street is trying to keep warm after 8 o'clock in the evening. It ain't right. I ain't no bum on the street. I live off grid because I try to get off as much as I can. But this grinds my gears, Linda. Like, you're talking about... So do you rely on the... the I'm talking about murder. Are you... Do you you rely on the park for shelter, that kind of thing? No. But I'm sure I know people that do. I have my own house in the woods. I live on solar and a generator. But I do know those people. All right? And I know the people that got murdered in Bowering Park in the past decade. And everybody knows who they are. And I'm really upset that they're talking about putting friggin' patrol security in these places because people are stealing flowers and spray painting something because a uh, quote-unquote bomb is trying to keep warm in the bathroom. So now they're going to close it up. But there was no patrol when my buddies got murdered down by the river in Bowering Park. 
Well, I mean, there was no control then, but now we got to have control for flowers. Yeah, I don't and know if that's the reason why now. Um, off the, out of there because they're just loitering. They're trying to live. The shelters are full. I'm not one of them. So why do you choose uh, to live uh, in a, as you put it, in a shack in the woods? I'm not in a shack in the woods. I got a camper in Central. I'm up to swear I got a full house. I got wood stove, solar panels. I live like a normal person, if anybody can understand that. I don't pay a mortgage. I don't pay electric bills. But the gas and the propane is sick. But the reason I left, I worked construction my whole life. My body's broken. I can't drive. I can't do nothing. So, yeah, I moved to the cabin, and now it's my home. That's what. Yeah, fair enough. And Um, I need to get away from everybody in town. The government, child serves everybody. I would not want no part of this. Okay. And you can let Patty know I'm going to be calling Patrick, actually, in the morning. I'm sure I'll get through. Dave might be working, and he's not going to be in today. Oh, uh, all right. Watch out now. Um you got that, did you? All right. Uh, Selena, just watch the language. That's all I can, can ask you because we're out over the live airwaves here. Hello? Yeah, I want to know what's going on. Okay. Fair enough. Also about the mental health issue. Uh-huh. We just had a call recently. There is no help for anybody. I've had Four surgeries that are really unnecessary that have been canceled under COVID. I have exams I can't get done. You know, it's off the chart, you know. And the doctors, the ones that are even working aren't fit. You know, I got to struggle through this every day of my life. Do you have uh, well, adequate would, access would, to health care? Do you have a, a, a family yeah, doctor? I got a family physician, mm-hmm. and he ain't work crap. And I'm allowed to say that online. And I've had him since I'm two. And he's been screwing me over. And it's prescribing things I shouldn't be taking. I went to the hospital three times. Detox. They told me to go home. Take more out of it and have a drink because they couldn't keep me. And they told me I'd die. And that's what you're getting. Go home and have more out of it and drink because we have no bed. We can't detox you and you'll die. So there you go. Do you have anything to say about it? Because I'm done. Well, Selena, all I can say is I'm I'm glad that you picked up the phone and gave us a call this morning. That's all I can tell you. You take care of yourself now. Yeah, I'll do the best I can with what I got. You have a good day. Thank you, Linda. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to go now to James on line two. Hi, James. Hi, how You're there are you? Hi. <laughs> I'm there. I got lost there between the jigs and the reels, but I'm here now. You're here now. So what's on your yeah. mind? You want to talk busing? Oh, 
I want to talk about the school busing situation here. Um, well, I, I've been in, I was in the school buses for 30 years, and and what's being played out here now to this past weekend with Gladney's is is absolutely terrible. I I I've got over 100 charges when when I was with the motor vehicle there when I had my buses on the road, and I I reinspected all my buses and I put them put them all back in number one shape, which they were anyway. They didn't need very much. To, to get them recertified uh, because that that was right back in September and I think it was back in January then I had to re-inspect them again because school board suggested I do that. So when I went down to court uh, with Bob Simmons and we went in and uh, he said, we suggest we, we make a deal with them and, and I said, no, I'm not making any deals. I didn't do anything wrong. So before Bob went to go in court, he was called in a little room and he came out and he, and he, he put me in this little room as well. And he said, Jim, all your charges has been dropped. And he said, why aren't you happy, Mr. Calloway? And I said, well, I, I can't be happy. I said, all my contracts are are, uh, are are void and gone with the Eastern School District. They they uh, they wouldn't let me come back. And, uh, you know, the salesman that I, I bought all these brand new buses from, he said, James, he said, I, I don't know what to say. He said, this would never happen in Quebec, you know, the situation that, that, that happened to your bus company. And here now, uh, our, our, my condolences goes out to the families there on Old Bravco Road. They had an accident there involving a bus, which is under investigation. Um, I think that sparked um, this situation with um, the busing for Gladney's to be cancelled. Buses are inspected in September. And that means for people that don't know, the the first that's the annual inspection. That's when school buses, the wheels be pulled off, and everything's is checked and and moiked and wrote down, and and uh, checked and double checked, you know. Um, and then in in December, there there it, it's a uh, uh, an inspection that the wheels are not required to come off, and and it's, a, it's a called a visual inspection, which Gladney's. Uh, like myself had done so their buses on, under the inspection act are certified school buses so i think the situation uh you know is a bit harsh the the hall every I, I don't know exactly the number of buses that gladney's had taken off the road but uh you know i, I listened to terry hall this morning talking about he has 40 culvert buses available uh, through other contractors, but that's not true. It's under one contractor. And those COVID buses, which I sent the letter to the Ottawa General, uh, were supposed to be spread out between all contractors. Yes, I hope everyone's listening to me through Newfoundland. All school bus contractors were supposed to be given the opportunity to uh, provide COVID buses, but, but no, it, that didn't happen. It was given to one contractor, the one that they're, they're relying on now to try to scramble up buses to put back on the road for next Monday. Buses that probably are not even uh, should be uh, put on the road. You know, and, you mean they took brand new buses off the road line to me. So, Jim, and, where and do you on... stand in all of this now? Are you, are you... Well, I, I'm just upset over this. This happened to me. I lost 30 years of my life working at school buses, and I, I certainly didn't deserve to go off the road with a with a gentleman, I mean, I don't know the qualifications of Terry Hall. You mean someone told me he sold tires out there in Cornerbrook years ago, and now he's the CEO of, of the Eastern School District. 
come on. I mean, I mean, how did he qualify to be down there and 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 to to do this situation with all these families? Take that, take those. Gladneys are in business seventy years out there. They they got a five grade facility out there. They just five buses at a time. They're the one of the biggest in Newfoundland. They got they they got a, a fine uh, a mechanic uh, people and staff down there. They, they they even got people from the motor registration that's retired. Down there doing a checklist with all their drivers. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not it's not very good. I, I was in that situation. I, many nights I never slept because I didn't know how I'm going to get the money to pay for my buses that I had. You mean in in September I rose the bar? They told me, and the guys out there working the motor vehicle knows if they can hear me now. They told me I rose the bar and new buses in Newfoundland. And 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 then come come January I was taken off the road. For inspections, uh, 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 for problems with my inspections, I went to court. It was all thrown out. They didn't have a, a, not a bit of evidence on me. And now I'm here today with my friends out there at Gladney's getting ready to come off the road as well. Not fair. So Those where... buses are certified. They, they've been certified twice. They've been certified twice. And now because of the accident, Linda... Because of this accident, and God love the people that got hurt or killed. And, and listen, I don't know the whole story, and it's terrible for anyone to, to get hurt. But, it, you mean, that gentleman overreacted, and I hope he can hear me down there. He overreacted and, and took all those buses and, and caused chaos between families and, and people going to work every day. People got it hard enough. Uh, to try to get their school, you know, to, to go to work, and 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 they hope their bosses understands they got to get their kids to school. It's terrible. I, I listen. Life went on for me. I, I'm I'm a hard worker. I worked, uh, you know, in the family business all my life, and 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 I I'm making money and prospering still. I'm, I'm I you know somehow I just got up every day and and forgot about bossing, and and just moved on with my life. But you mean for this? Uh, I mean, I guarantee you, the, the Gladneys don't deserve being in business out there seventy years to have uh, their name uh, broadcast over the airwaves and and names and and bosses put in the paper that, that's about in, about uh, problems with their bosses. Listen, the boss was in an accident out there. They took the bus, and I'm sure of after being slammed on the brakes and 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 into an accident, they're going to find problems with that bus. There's no doubt about it. But to haul the, the man's whole fleet off the road and all these men and women that's working in those buses, uh, the, you know, to, to lose their jobs, for what? You, for, for uh, you know, I think the, the wrong call is what I'm trying to say. The wrong call was made to uh, for, for Gladney's to get a call Saturday morning and told me he's no longer needed. And, other, and then letters wrote out the parents saying that uh, because of inspections. So those buses are certified buses. Those, there's, there's nothing else you can do with a vehicle, what was done with those vehicles. You, you might find a bulb out. I mean, are we, you know, we're, we're, you know, things do happen to vehicles. But, uh, you know, I, I just, it's overreaction here. And I right. don't think he had the, the, the power to, to, to do what he done to the, to, to, to Gladys. It's not Jim? right. We we have to leave it there, unfortunately, because we're overdue for another break before the end of the show. Yes, I really I do appreciate your call Thank this you morning. For taking my call, I, I just frustrated, and I and I think that people had the had the I I had the call in, and I just you know, and and 
voice my opinion about what, what went on. I just um, I thank you for taking my call and have yourself a great day. All right. Jim Kellaway, uh, we'll be back right after this. Weekday mornings from 530 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM morning show. This is Open Line on VOCM. And we're back into the final few minutes of the show. We're going to go now to uh, Bill. Hi, Bill. Good day. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. I need to find somebody to give me a hand with some shoveling because I need more than a hand. I can't shovel at all. And I was wondering if there are any kind of organizations around or someone who who wouldn't mind to come in and uh, clear some snow for me. Good question. So, there used to be some people going around. Um, do you have any uh, youngsters going around your neighborhood with a shovel? No, there's nobody here. I only my son, and he was—he's off. Uh, well, he's working today, but he's off Sunday and Monday. So it's too bad the storm wasn't yesterday because he'd have it all done for me. Ah, so you're so, uh, you're uh, anticipating uh, uh, that you'll be stuck now tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I'll be bad in. Yeah, that's not so, uh, not a good feeling, is it? Uh, any well, neighbors who, who are willing to help you out? No, it seems like everybody on the street is seniors. <laughs> oh yeah, well so, that's that that could be true too. <laughs> yeah, um, that where are you so, two uh, generally speaking? Are you in the metro area, St. John's, Mount I'm Pearl, in Mount Pearl, in Mount Pearl. All right, so Bill, yeah. you're putting it out there that anybody who happens to know of any. Um, uh, snow clearing services for seniors in particular. Um, to or even just shoveling. I don't care how I get rid of it. You know, if somebody has got enough strength about themselves, now I can't shovel a bit because I'm out, I'm out of shape and uh, it's impossible for me to do it. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, uh, all right, we'll we'll put it out there. If anybody's got any suggestions, they can uh, give us a call and let us know. You stay listening. Okay, uh, what do I do about my number? Somebody... Oh, we've got your number here. Okay, that sounds good. All righty. Best Thank of luck. You. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, uh, oh, I'm turning off my own mic. Um, can you let um, the newsroom know that they're on? <laughs> the mic is on there. Uh, we're going to go now to um, Mark. You're on the air. Yes. Hi, Mark. Morning. How are you? Good. We just have a few minutes left. You you might be yeah. the last caller on the show. Oh, that's good. The digital IDs. Yeah. They're not a good thing. How so? What, what they're leading in is the government's getting everybody the information, and uh, the, the government's got all the reach. And after this, uh, it gets this uh, digital ID implicated in introduce to go to the banking information and then they'll take away like you won't be able to go to the store and you'll be you'll have restrictions on what you can buy and cut your cut your money off any time you want. Oh no 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 that's not gonna happen. No 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 I can see where there would be some privacy concerns uh, if you know the appropriate legislation and the appropriate uh, steps are not taken to um, uh, counter uh, cyber attacks, that kind of thing. Um, but it, it is the way of the world and, and in a lot of ways it may make things much easier. But I can absolutely see where people would be concerned about it. 
party should be concerned because we're in a totalitarian government. Um, okay. Okay? All right. And the government's got too much overreach, and that's why everybody's you know, trying to have a problem. And it's not good for nobody. Because the government can get your, your banking information, you get your ID, you get all your health information, you can do whatever he wants with that. And with the digital, with this, when it comes in with the information with the banks, if they don't want you, if they don't want you to add something, they can turn it off. Yeah, I don't think that's the reason why it's being put in place. Oh, I know what it is. Anyway, there's, that's what they're going to implicate anyway. There's a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, people are talking about it because it's something new, but it, yeah, you know, it's in place in a lot of jurisdictions. Yeah, but it's not good. And there's a lot of uh, areas and jurisdictions in Canada that are all already using it. They're only they're not using it, and they're not going to use it in Alberta and Saskatchewan. I think it's already in place in Alberta, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's Saskatchewan and um, possibly Manitoba that are not too fussy about it. But anyway, I, I don't know enough about it in terms of who's got it and who doesn't have it. I know I, there are some um, healthcare authorities in Ontario, for instance, that introduced it some time ago or are talking about introducing it. It's something that's being talked about for quite a while. Whether or not it's attached as a condition to healthcare dollars, that I can't seem to find any information on. But uh, uh, it is, I suppose, a, a very legitimate um, uh, topic of discussion. It's like a class swab. That's a lead war leader. They're in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's behind all this. Okay. Bill Gates and all them. All right. All right. Well, Mark, you've had the last word on open line. I really appreciate your call. Yeah, thanks. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Patty is off this week. Uh, I'll be on uh, on target this afternoon uh, with a special guest who's in uh, the St. John's area to talk to uh, people with Fortis and uh, Newfoundland uh, Power and Newfoundland Labrador Hydro about menopause and its impact on the workplace believe it or not so that's uh, our guest today amanda Thebes. stay tuned she's really entertaining and interesting actually um so uh stay tuned for that thanks for listening everyone we're up to news